Hey everybody, Steph Tuss here. Just wanted to let you know about a fantastic opportunity we have for you. David and I are hosting a three-part training series called How to Reverse Engineer a Multi-Seven-Figure Business. If you'd like to join us, it's completely free. Just go ahead and click the link in our show notes or go to davidnagel.com forward slash next step. We hope to see you there. Successful people learn how to make their minds work for them. We are Life Is Now, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Today we're talking about psychological safety. Yes, we are. Do you feel safe right now? I do. Okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm just checking. Psychologically I want to make sure. safe or physically safe? Which safety well, are we talking about? physically safe. Yes. No. Um, no, I feel very psychologically safe. Thank okay. you. Thank you for asking. You bet. Thank you for checking in with me. Um, I came across this topic because I think that it's it's highly undertaught, honestly, um, in terms of business. Yeah. Um, you know, psychological safety essentially means that people that work for you, people that work in an organization can go about their business without the fear of repercussions if they make a mistake, if they challenge the status quo, if they come with an idea that doesn't work, right? So yes. it's the it's saying that they're free to do their best without having without being worried about being humiliated because they've made a mistake or made to feel less than because they've their idea didn't work out, right? And there's there's lots of organizations that practice psychological safety. Google is actually one that that practices psychological safety. Um, in fact, they credit their ability to innovate um, with how psychologically safe their organization is. And the other organization is Netflix, which you know I love. Right. I yeah, love the too. book No yeah. Rules Rules, right? Which yep. really instills um, a culture of of psychological safety to a point, like. You, you're psychologically safe as long as as long as you are like pushing the edge. Yeah. Right? Um but the idea of psychological safety is you're emotionally safe in your workplace. You're not having to avoid um walking you're not having to walk on eggshells around anyone. You can you can share an idea that may be a good idea or might be a terrible idea. Right. You can make a mistake. You can, you know, speak up of your opinion without the the threat of repercussion. Um, and I first came across this topic. I don't remember who told me about this, but it, there's a great book called The Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson. Um, it's, it's a pretty heavy read, so it's not like a storybook. I mean, it's very data-driven, data-based about what happens when organizations aren't psychologically safe. Okay. Um, and one of the key examples they use are hospitals, unfortunately you know, where the hierarchy is the doctor knows everything and the nurse is under the doctor and the nurse doesn't feel safe coming to the doctor and saying, oh, you've made a mistake on this chart or, oh, you've misprescribed something. Instead, they go along with the orders and then what ends up happening, right? Somebody gets hurt. There's already crazy consequences yeah. in a place like that. Yeah, crazy consequences in a place like that. So 
But psychological safety shows up in lots of places. Psychological safety shows up in schools, right? Your your most highest performing um, innovative schools have, make it psychologically safe for kids to make mistakes right. and get things wrong. And your most successful business create a culture of psychological safety where people don't have to worry about being called an idiot if they if they make a mistake. Right. And the reason I wanted to talk to you about it is because, you know, in our private coaching and even in our group coaching programs, we see a lot of people thinking that they're doing the right thing in a leadership position. And actually what they're doing is they're creating a culture the exact opposite of psych- psychological safety. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Can you think of some examples of, of where this shows up? Well, I mean, so... I, I didn't know the term until you brought that term to me. So I'll just say that right out. And I haven't read this book that you're talking about, but, I, but I'm very curious. I want to read it. Um, but I've always taught something similar from the aspect of we're, not, we're, we're raised in an environment that does not allow us to make mistakes. It doesn't celebrate a mistake. Right. It, we're shamed. We're guilted for making mistakes. They make fun of us at a very early age. So we go through... Um, a behavioral adjustment process where we have more of a tendency to hide our mistakes than to actually bring them forward and look at what is the cause of this mistake. Is this a beneficial mistake and not beneficial mistake? What caused it and how do we correct it in the future without the ramifications of losing your job, being disciplined, being humiliated or shamed in front of your peers, um, that type of thing. And the as we've worked with people in businesses over over the entire history of the company, once they get to the point where they actually start hiring people, we see this very interesting dynamic come out where the business owner gets very triggered by things that the, 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 the team member will do or say or not do or say or the mistakes that they make, and they react in a very harsh way. Or they believe that the only way that they can get performance out of them is in a very harsh way. Um, it, it, I mean, we've it's rampant. Let's put it that way. I it mean, is. we've seen this for years. The more we talk about it, the more all these different scenarios that I have seen with people that we've worked with over the years that actually uh, have a. They, they, it's like there's a modicum of terror underneath the underneath the surface of the company. People just don't want to say anything. You're not sure it's there. You don't know what's really going on. And then you see things like people leaving that were good people and you don't know why it is that they're leaving and they're not telling anything and there's no communication going on. Um, but uh, uh, the, I think probably one of the, one of the ways that we, we I see it in two ways uh, predominantly. One is um, the idea that nothing is said and then there's major problems. They're constantly putting fires out. Because there's issues that are happening and nobody's, nobody's actually feels safe enough to, to go to the boss or to the business owner and say, here's an issue that we have to, that we have to fix or solve, or here's something that you don't know, or here's a mistake right. that you're making. And then on the other side, it's lack of productivity, right? It's, it has a huge impact on, on productivity. So that's, yeah. those were the places that I see it the most. Have you ever worked for someone like that? Several people. Yes. Okay. Yeah, several people. Yeah. I was thinking of, and this was not that long ago. I mean, it was probably 12 years ago. I was actually assisting at an event. And the event host, I saw her dress down one of the event staff, like in a really demeaning, shaming, horrific way. 
And I remember myself thinking that's not okay. But I also remember myself completely like recoiling, like, okay, I'm going to fly under the radar, right? Like I'm not going to say, stand up and say anything or, um, or, or, you know, share ideas because I don't want to have a target on my back. I don't want to get dressed down. And I think that the overall feeling of all the people that were a part of that event was the same. We, we were all like in fear of something that she was going to see that we didn't see that she was going to point out and like completely humiliate us around. Um, that's a one instance that I can remember where I was conscious enough to know like, well, that's not okay. Like you don't treat people like that. And at the same time, I noticed myself like, I'm, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to stay back here in the shadows, like quiet. Well, you know, here's another one. Remember the time that I was, I was speaking on stage and we had the person that was in charge of my contracts with us. And they tried to change the contract while I was on stage and slapped her in the face. Yeah. When she wouldn't do it because she yeah. refused to do it because I was on stage. Yeah. Um, and I know this happens in workplaces because we've heard from people who have had who have had nightmare bosses. But the thing is, is what I'm noticing is that the people that we work with don't realize that they're being a nightmare boss. This is the way that they were that they were shown or taught. Sure to be a leader and they don't know any other way. They're just coming to us saying, these are the things that I'm experiencing in my business. How can I turn this around? And when I bring up, well, you haven't created a, you haven't created a culture of psychological safety. They're like, what is psychological safety? If I don't, if I'm not constantly on them, if I'm not constantly riding their ass, nothing gets done. And I'm like, no, when you're constantly riding their ass, nothing gets done. Exactly. Right. Like that's, that's the problem. And when you have a business and you're growing, especially now with the changing with the changing economy and everything going on in the world, you have to have a team that can innovate, right? Yes. And and innovation takes testing and risk and trial and you know putting out ideas. If you have a culture that doesn't feel safe, no one's going to innovate. They're all going to wait for you to come up with the solution. Yeah. Right. They're all going to be yes men because mm-hmm. they want to please you. That's not in the best interest of the company, right? Like that's that's where you get a leader that's completely frustrated because they're the ones that have to make all the decisions. But what they don't realize is that they've created that. They've created the beast where they have to be the one to make all the decisions. Right. And they don't, and you're right, you're 100% right, they don't. It's always interesting when we, when we or you start to have a conversation with somebody about this, the look on their face when you tell them what you just told everybody now is it's a look of bewilderment and horror. Like, I think they believe that less than other things that we teach them about how success can be easy in various different areas. Yeah. Because they've never had any other experience in their life other than, you know, this kind of do what you're told or else mentality um, all the way back from their childhood. Right. You know, there are... <laughs> there, there are multiple ways to skin a cat. I guess the phrase is right. I'm, I'm. Cat's in, not safe. Cat's not safe. I'm in favor of the path of least resistance, where everybody wins. Right. I'm in favor of of the win win. So if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're doing a little bit of a self evaluation right now, really ask yourself: Have I raised my voice to a team member? Like, have I raised my voice to a team member? Have I blamed my team member for something? Um, have I, has my body language been combative, right? Because sometimes you don't have to actually say anything for a team member to know that you're, 
you're angry at them right. to cause them to feel unsafe. Um, and if the answer is yes, that is great. It's a great realization because then you can step back and say, okay, so what is this really? What's going on here? Why am I reacting this way? And that's where you come in. That's where your genius comes in and helping people understand where those triggers come from yeah. and what they can learn from those triggers. Yeah, it's interesting because it's all based on fear, right? I mean, everything everything that you see is some consequence that the owner is afraid of experiencing. Um, and that, you know, even the even to the extent of the owner just being frustrated with an employee, because when I hear that, I'll say, all right, well, tell me why you're, fr- why are you so frustrated? And they get into this, you know, like blaming routine. And I'll pause them for a moment and I'll say, but you're the one that's in charge. You're the one that can either inspire or fire in this, in this situation. What is this blaming and frustration about? And if you, if you trace it back, it goes back to, you know, the idea of control for somebody who's an entrepreneur is a great thing, but it can also be deadly. Yes. Right? Because we can control ourselves right out of business. Yes. You, you know, is that, would you agree with we that? We can control ourselves right out of business. And in most cases, you do control yourself right out of business. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that a business owner has to, you know, it's interesting, right? So, so control is something that is a good thing when you start. You have to be in control. You have to have enough control to be able to smart to start. You have to be smart enough to be able to start. But there comes a point in time, and it's relatively soon once you start hiring people, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room Mm-mm. anymore. You just don't because I want people working with me. Everybody should want people working with me that are smarter than we are in their respective fields, right? So that we can innovate, so that we can grow, so that they can think through problems and you're not the only one thinking through the problem. So there's there's that idea, but I also think there's the idea of people very much identify with problems in a way where it makes them feel special, right? So you have, you have yes. the owner that uh, there's a self-image issue and one of the reasons that they're getting into business is it, it gives them a unique way to express themselves where they get to feel special, maybe for the first time in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a hunger, there's a need for that. And once they get to the place where their brilliance isn't getting them the specialness, that then becomes the problems. If everybody has to come to me for the answer, then I'm the special one. I'm the brightest bulb in the room. And, and then that just creates uh, a dictatorship in the company that just can't stand. Right. Because it should be a meritocracy. It should be a meritocracy. I think, was that coined by Ray Dalio, meritocracy? I don't, I don't know that if it was coined, but I think he made it popular in the entrepreneurial space. I mean, it's, um, uh, it's the way that he did it to, to grow his, his, um, uh, his business was phenomenal. I mean, his book is, it's rough to get through. It's a thick book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? I don't think I'm through it all the way yet. Yeah. Even like I stop, I kind of use it as a manual at times, but yeah, it's, it's a thick one. Yeah. But it was all about meritocracy. Uh, that book. I mean, you really have a, a very solid understanding of the best ideas, what wins, right? So you've, what you brought to our company is the idea that the company goes first right? That is a term that we never used until you brought that term in 
and we started following it. And the company goes first is based on the idea that the best idea goes first. The best idea wins because we're all working as a team to get someplace. So we all have individual goals and dreams and desires, and the company has a purpose and a mission, and the best ideas and the best people get the company to that perspective place. Correct. I was just listening to a podcast this morning. Um, It was an interview with Kendra Scott. Are you familiar with Kendra Scott? Yes. She's a a fashion designer, jewelry. She has a jewelry line. It's beautiful. She has quite an origin story, like full of failed businesses and all kinds of adversity, um, which is generally true with a successful business is that there's usually (laughs) some kind of big failure, at least a couple big failures, followed by a whole bunch of adversity. And then you know, they, they take the skills that they learned and, and apply it and actually create a business that really, that really thrives. And the inter- the person interviewing her asked the question, like if you could give one piece of advice to, to business owners, you know, especially business owners in startup mode or just past startup mode, what advice would you give them? And she said, do not hire more of you. Do not, yeah, that's a good. Do not hire a, more of you because then you have a bunch of yous running around saying yes to all of your ideas and someone needs to say no to them and someone yeah. needs to come with new ideas and push the buttons. And she also talked about the importance of, of a culture of psychological safety where all ideas are welcome and mistakes are, are encouraged. Um, and she, she built, I mean, she's, she's at billions of dollars now, like really successful, grew during, during COVID because she was able oh, wow. to pivot, you know, she was able to pivot. Why? Because she took ideas from her team, right? Like you look at businesses that can, that can pivot, that can turn on a dime, that can innovate. And it's because they have a super high functioning team of really not just smart people, but of the right people who are willing to take risks and, and speak their ideas. Right. 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 Without the fear of any kind of repercussion. Yeah. She's got a great story. You should check her out. Okay, I will. Yeah. Um, we also see this show up when a business owner comes to us and they're, how do I say this? They're really angry, right? So they're angry that they're not getting the results that they want. And they know it's because their team is underperforming. But they've never set up measures of success. They've never set up KPIs for each role. The employees don't know the expectations. Would you explain what a KPI is? Really so quick? a KPI is just a key performance indicator. So it's just basically answers the question, we know we're successful when, when these things are, are hit. And what people don't understand is that when you don't have clear expectations, you create an unsafe environment for your team members. When you don't have clear, let me just get that right. When you don't have clear expectations, you create an unsafe environment. Right. Because people don't know what expectations they're trying to hit. So they're they're literally walking on eggshells every day. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I, am I hitting my marks? Am I above average? Am I average? An, an, an employee, a team member, generally wants to know that they're successful. And they want to know how that success applies to what the business goals are, what the overall mission of the goals are. If you don't set expectations and you don't have clear agreements on like, this is, this is how we know you're successful and then set those markers up, they're just flapping around with every reactive thing that, that comes at them. Yeah. Right. I mean, think about, I mean, I go back to school cause I, 
I did, I did fairly well in school. It was, I was the good student, right? So I always did well when I knew what the exact expectations were because I felt like that gave me direction. I knew what I was supposed to be doing. I could do it in a really great way and I could even go above and beyond. Mm -hmm. How can you hire A players if they don't know what, what their expectations are? I don't think you can. I don't think they would want to work there. Correct. Right. So if you have a company where you don't have clear expectations and if you ask yourself that question, like, do my, do each of my roles have clear expectations and you actually have to pause and think about it, guess what? You don't have clear expectations for those roles. Yeah. Right. Like you should know, yep, everyone's got clear expectations. They know what's a big win for them. They know what's an intermediate win for them is, and they know what a, what a weakness is. Um, if you don't know that, then that's a place where you can get to work on creating psychological safety in, in the workplace. So how do we start doing that? How do we start creating psychological safety? What are the, are there steps or is it a process? Yeah. So the crazy thing is, is the steps are actually kind of like no brainers, but you don't think about them. So first it's about how you carry yourself as a leader and founder, right? They have to see that you're a psychologically safe person, meaning they're safe in your presence. So in having conversations with them, actually like making eye contact, (laughs) facing them 100% when they're talking to you, listen, right? Don't always feel like you have to add something to everything that they're saying. Make an effort to go into their space. So instead of always calling people into your office, go to their office, pop in, ask them how they're doing, ask them what's going on with their family, show that you care about something other than whether or not they get they get that task checked off the list, right? So basically it's treating them like a human being for one um, and and showing them that you care about them as a person. So what about, how do you, how do you actually have a conversation with them about um, the appropriate way to handle a mistake so that they're not bringing in a past behavior of trying to cover it up or fix it before anybody knows about it, that type of an idea. So the first is to lead by example. So as a leader, you should be pointing out every single thing that you're doing wrong. That's the sunshiny part. Sunshine your mistakes. When you can call out your own mistakes and say, wow, I really screwed this up or wow, this did not go the way that I planned and it was entirely my fault or wow, I should have addressed that way sooner and we could have avoided this. That allows everybody who's around you to understand that it's okay for them to do that as well. So they see how you handle your own mistakes. Now, if you get super pissed off at yourself and you start pounding yourself in the head and you're like throwing things, (laughs) that's not what I mean by sunshining your mistakes, right? Right. Sunshining your mistakes is, wow, this is what happened. This is what I learned. And this is what I'm going to do going forward. When you can do that, and let me tell you, it sounds easier than it is, right? Because it takes vulnerability. Right. And that's part of creating psychological safety in the workplace is that you as a leader allow yourself to be vulnerable. So you talk about the things that you did wrong. You talk about who you're learning from and the fact that you don't have all the answers. And you know what the crazy thing is? One of the biggest ways to create psychological safety in the workplace is to say, I don't know. Is for you not to have all the answers and, yeah. and for you to be okay with not having all the answers. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there used to be an old idea that you needed to be the person that knew everything that you should know and that, that knowing was your responsibility. And it, that's quickly going out the, it's going out the window. But, you know, the, that idea of you, 
of leading by example, sunshining your mistakes, admitting when it, when you're wrong, saying that you don't know. The, the reasons that I've seen people not want to do that, again, is that they don't feel safe doing it. So they're, it's a really a vulnerability issue, like you say, at that, at that level. They have to, that's like a, the next stage of growth for them that for many people remains hidden under the surface because they're focused on so many other areas that they're growing and being tested and they're trying and you know going up against competition or reaching the next goal or the next high point. Vulnerability is not something that they're actually thinking about. And in many cases, vulnerability is something that they're trying to hide. In, in a lot of cases, yeah. vulnerability is what they're trying to hide. They don't want anyone to see that they don't know all the answers. I mean, I don't know how many times we've talked to, and this is, I can think of three different examples with law firm owners, actually, where they're, they are not hiring an administrative assistant that they desperately need because they feel like their office is a mess. And I'm like, so tell them your office is a mess. I can't, I can't tell them my office is a mess. They're going to think that they're, they're not going to want to come work for me. They're going to think that I'm a complete train wreck. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, that's why you're hiring them. Like that gives them purpose. Yep. They're going to make your, your office a, a humming machine so that you can do what, what, what you do best. But they don't want to admit that they need the help to, to, to get the office organized and systems put in. I, it's like, it's like people who, <laughs> it's like people who have, you know, we were, Brand and I are guilty of this. You have a cleaning service that comes in, right? How many people go and clean your house before the cleaning people come in because you don't want them to think that you're a slob? I had a neighbor for a number of years who, um, as I was growing, she was seeing different things and she finally caught on about hiring somebody to clean the house. And she always kept her house immaculate as it was, but every time before the cleaner would be, she'd, like, she'd have to run home. I got to clean the house before the cleaner comes. And there was really nothing for the cleaner to do, but it was, it's it's fascinating. It's really fascinating behavior. I mean, that goes back far and deep in a person's life. It's a real insight into how well and what the expectations were and what the parameters were for allowing error to occur and be a place where a person could breathe into a mistake and actually learn from it. You know, we talk about the idea that you can't get anywhere without making mistakes. You, that's the only way to grow. You, because you, every time you grow, you're going to do something you've never done before. There has to be mistakes there in order for you to learn from them so that you can make different decisions to keep moving forward. So this, this crazy idea that there shouldn't be any mistakes is really nutso. I mean, it's, I can see why it would make somebody so vulnerable as far as being transparent about what their weaknesses are, what their vulnerabilities are, what they don't, you know, like you said, openly admitting, I don't know. That's a big deal. I remember when I learned how to do that because I was I was the opposite of that. Like, don't let anybody know anything. Don't. Oh, yeah. That was how I was raised, right? It was always hiding everything from mom and dad. And one of the biggest things that I learned, one of the most freeing things was to just come out and say, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. And and here's the thing with, with building psychological safety around this is that I think it's really powerful for you to admit your weaknesses in front of your team. Like, guys, I am not good at this. Like, I need help. I need your help. So asking your team for help with something for you personally yeah. also shows that it's okay for them to ask for help. I mean, people learn more from your actions than from your words. You know what I mean? Yes, like, absolutely. 
If you're acting one way and asking them to be a different way, they're never going to be that way. But if you're acting the way that you want them to act, they will. Does that make sense? That would totally make sense. I used to hear growing up, literally, I was, I'm not going to say who it was, but I would hear this frequently. Don't do as I do, do as I say. Yeah. Such BS. You know, and, and, and it was, it, it was something that, that was very popular or. I think we're I think we're starting to come out of it now as a I think it, I'm seeing and you're definitely seeing many more businesses that are on this path of like leading this old way of leadership just leaving it behind yeah. and learning new things and it makes you know the, the another thing Steph is it makes for such a more relaxed fun environment to work in Oh yeah you know you can tell when you there's an when you walk into an office that's full of tension it's like holy shit yeah what is this energy that's going on in this place yeah so i want to take us back to triggers for a second okay because you um do a masterful teaching on the the real root of triggers which is your core wound core fear and your core negative belief can you just touch on that for our podcast listeners so that when they're triggered by their by whatever happens in the business, they know, they know where this is coming from. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's an interesting surface expression that shows up for the average individual that really, if you know what it is, it's like a huge light bulb. And that is when something triggers you, right? It could be angry, sad, jealous, envious, resentful, it, on and on and on. Some kind of negative Some reaction. Some kind of negative reaction. Okay. When you have, when you feel that inside and you have that trigger, that is the first level of defense inside of our own psychology to push back against uh, whatever it is that's triggering us, whatever it is that happened. It doesn't really matter what it was or who did it, but it is a, it is a, it is a red flag for you or a light bulb moment for you to go, wait a second, there's something actually going on here. Why am I reacting this way? Why am I feeling this way about this thing? Because it's not telling you really anything about the thing. It's telling you about something that you're protecting inside of yourself. So for instance, for anger is a defensive mechanism, mm-hmm. right? We get angry when we feel that we have to defend something. It's a, it's a reaction that we do to, that we think keeps us safe in some way. And let's say a person pushes or a person indicates or a person accuses or a person's tone is not right or an email or a text or whatever, and you see yourself get angry, the idea is what are you protecting inside of yourself that's vulnerable? Because that's a key indicator that you've got something going on that's vulnerable. And we usually cut it off at that level. But one of the things that you and I will do is we'll ask a person to write down, say, five things that other people do to them that piss them off mm-hmm. and not something that they witness somebody else do or not something that they know that they do, like they hurt animals or something, but something that's done directly to them that pisses them off. And if you look at it, if you look at it very closely, you can see that the, the same core wound is in every single one of those five examples that they come up with, right? So- just for for the sake of making this easy, m- most core wounds end up uh, being that I'm not worthy or that I'm unlovable. And these are indications and patterns that we internalize at a very, very young age. 
And it doesn't even need to be for a rational reason. It could be just the way that we interpreted mom or dad's behavior, right? Yeah. Because no parent's perfect. Right. Um, but everybody has this to some degree. And then they, they stack build on top of that core wound. So the core wound then is the child develops their consciousness. They look for evidence based on that core wound and they develop patterns not to experience it. And that as the child grows into an adult, they get further and further away from the wound to they get to the point where they don't know what it is. And the only thing that they ever experience is that surface reaction that they created in order to keep people from pushing into that vulnerable place and them having to deal with it, right? So the idea is that if you get triggered by something, the question should be, why am I choosing to have this reaction and what do I need to work on in order to deal with my own response? Where is it that I feel vulnerable and why do I feel vulnerable based on what somebody else is doing? And then once that happens, what, like, what do they do with that? Well, the idea, so the greatest thing about it is that you become aware of something that's going on inside of yourself, such as a core wound, that you weren't aware of before. The awareness alone takes it down multiple steps as far as how bad it feels when, when you actually get triggered because now you're aware of what's causing the trigger. So once you become aware of it, the idea is to, well, first of all, let's just, let's just put this out because people will say, well, how is it this that affects me? It's interesting because we, you have to look at in our mind, where is, how do we make decisions? We make them from our aspiration of what it, we want to be, do, and have. That is like the positive side, moving out forward, creating our life, creating our goals. And then we have these internal limits that we don't want to go beyond because we don't feel safe going any further than those internal limits. So things that scare us, hurt us, make us sad, make us feel rejected, unloved, uh, definitely make us feel not worthy, like we're just not good enough. So many people are running around with this idea that they're just not good enough in their mind to do all different kinds of things in their life. So many of them don't even attempt, but the ones that do usually shut it, everything down by getting angry. So once I'm aware that that's what I'm doing, I have to also be aware that me not being good enough is actually showing up in my decision-making process. In other words, I will look at things to do that would actually move me forward, would move my business forward, mm -hmm. would move the team forward. But if I don't think I'm good enough, I'm not going to make those decisions to do it. I'm actually going to make an unconscious decision to stay safe. And that's where we start getting into the weeds with the team. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yes. Do you have a specific example in mind? Like can, like to how to like make this really tangible for people? Sure. One of the first, one, here's one of the ones that we see first off. A person starts to get to the place where they need to hire a team. <laughs> and they say, I can't hire a team because I don't have the money. And that what the thing is, is that they do not understand that that is not the reason that they're not hiring the team. That is the perfect excuse, the rationalization that they made in their mind in order not to hire the team. But really, they're not hiring a team because they don't feel good enough to hire the team, or they don't feel good enough to earn the money to hire the team. In a business, you build it, you build an add to the business based on the direction that you're going, not when you find out that you have an emergency right. and you need something. Otherwise, you end up in a tremendous amount of trouble. That's when you get into hiring somebody who's like you and easy, 
right? You're 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 trying to you're trying to just get your put a fire out instead of actually reactive. Yes, hundred percent reactive. Rather than exactly. hiring hiring for where you are right now, rather than for where you want to go. Yeah, which just ends up in you letting that person go and having to make another hire and right gets into a whole nother rabbit wheel of unworthiness or not good enough. Right, it does because then it just verifies it. Right, right? it just it's like see, I knew it wasn't going to work. Or see, I knew I weren't, wasn't going to be able to pay for this person. Or see, why can't I find somebody? Everybody else can find somebody, but I can't find somebody. See, I knew I couldn't trust someone to do as good of a job oh, as I can. <laughs> Don't even go down the trust road. <laughs> I think I think trust is, is is another podcast we need to it, do. It, yeah, I of, agree. In terms of both self trust and business trust, because this is a, it's a big big component in this, right? It is. Like you have to have a certain level of self trust to allow yourself to be vulnerable in front of the people that you're you know you're supposed to be leading, right? If you can't trust your own insecurities, you'll only be triggered by other people's. Yeah, I think you need to say that again. If you can't trust your own insecurities, in other words, if you can't trust yourself with where you need, where you're vulnerable, vulnerable, or you need to be vulnerable, you cannot trust anybody else's because it's it's too reflecting for you. So it'll just make you angry at the outset, or you'll mm-hmm. push it away, or you won't want to look at it, and you won't want to deal with it because it's actually happening inside of yourself. So until you develop that inner trust, you're not going to be trustworthy with anybody else. Because you're not going to do the things you won't, that are trustworthy. You won't do the things that are trustworthy. And, and by that, basically we mean that instead of ma- making the person wrong about whatever it is that happened, you're going to actually look for a solution instead of making them wrong. When you're first go-to is to make somebody else wrong about what just happened, you're not actually looking for a solution. You're looking to be right. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole idea is that you build a fearless organization rather than a fearful organization, which again is the name of Amy Edmondson's book. Um, I highly recommend it, The Fearless Organization. If you want more information about what we covered here in this podcast, you'll see lots of examples. And she also gives some really great activities to begin to do Um, to begin to build that psychological safety within your team. Great podcast. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking with us to the end. We hope you enjoyed this episode on psychological safety. We'd love to hear your stories or what you thought about the book. Go ahead and subscribe. Make sure you don't miss what's coming up next on the Successful Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. If you like what you've heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.